Well, hey, man, I'm glad to be back for part two of our top 14 episodes from the last nine months, winding out the year. I have to say, part one was pretty great. And we say it, we love our podcast episodes more than anyone else, but we're allowed to because it's it's the Right Side of Leadership podcast. So let's jump right into it. Uh, What do you have for us for your first clip? Man, first killer highlight clip was with Daniel Harkavy. Um, he's coached Michael Hyatt and others. I mean, he coaches high performers all over the world, and uh, he is the real deal. I just, I loved the conversation with Daniel. When coaches talk, like weird stuff happens, Jonathan, and it's like, you get me and I get you. And episode 202, um, we talk about these different gears, performance and identity. We talk about the who being more important than the what. And man, it, I just don't think we can talk about this enough. So without further ado, let's talk about identity. Let's talk about gears within our leadership and how performance and identity connect, disconnect, and how we need to create more space between them. Episode 202. So here's what happens in life. Imagine there's gears and they're interlinked. They're these gears that connect. The outer gear is relationships, habits, or disciplines, and results. The outer gear is what you see, Alan. It's what every, everybody sees. They see how I deal with other people. They see my habits and action. And then they see the results that I get in business and life and ministry. Then they make decisions about me based upon that outer gear. It's a performance gear, right? But there's an inner gear that fuels that outer gear. And oftentimes that inner gear is where the work needs to be done. And the inner gear right at the center has a cog and it's called identity. And then it's comprised of thinking, belief, and behavior. I'm sorry, thinking, belief, and feeling. That inner gear drives that outer gear. Who I know I am, who I believe I am at the identity, at the very core of who I am, that gets strengthened by what I think about and what I believe. That influences what I think about myself, about you, and others. What I believe about you, myself, and others, and opportunities then that impacts how I feel. That spins and it impacts my relationships, my habits, and the results I get. So that inner gear is key. And knowing who you are, whose you are, why you're here, it's everything. There's no mistakes. Who you are, people, you're created in the the image of God Mm. who can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And, And he indwells you. And he wants to use you for his goodness. And in this past year, we've taken some blows because we were told we couldn't look at each other or embrace one, embrace one another. We couldn't have community. Well, that's the third gear, mind, body, and soul. You know, how are we feeding ourselves? So much of it has to do with relationships, with prayer, with worship, all around the word. I can go on in gears and gears and gears. That's my next book. Stay tuned. I'm, I'm getting ready to write that one. All right, man, another good good clip coming our way. What do you got? Man, episode 236 with John Rittner. This was a fun episode. You guys talked about food trucks, culture and life in Hollywood, where he's where he's pastoring a faith community there. And, and the clip here, he really talks about loving your neighbor and this interesting place about like when we're really loving our neighbors and how to get creative doing it in like a more and more post-Christian society and why it's important to be kind of irritating and like sort of that reality of what it looks like to practically love other people. I think it's super important right now. So guys, check out this clip and then go back and listen to the full episode, episode 236 with John Rittner about loving your neighbor right now. Talk about posture for a minute, John. In order to live that way, 
what posture changes do we need to make? Yeah. Um, I think the, the first pushback I often get when I start talking about making disciples in the first, second, third spaces, you know, places you live, work and play, uh, you know, this idea of embracing the scent life, in, you know, in, in the ordinary spaces, people are like, I don't have time for that. I mean, gosh, I live in LA. I've got three kids. I'm, you know, my, we're working two jobs. We're commuting all day. Who's got time for missional living? And one of the phrases that I kind of try to remind people is that, you know, this is not, I'm not asking you to add something to your life. I'm simply asking you to embrace this posture of aligning your life around these new priorities. So it's not addition, it's alignment. You're already at in your neighborhood. You're already at your workspace. You're already at the gym or the pub or the restaurant, or the coffee shop you go to. Those things are already in your life. You don't have to add anything. But can you enter into those spaces with intentionality? So can you maybe frequent one space more regularly, cut down on your consumerist habit to maybe always go for the lowest price or the best deal or you know, whatever's hip and cool, but frequent one place with regular proximity. I mean, one place in proximity with frequency and then enter with intentionality, you know? And so one of the little things that I even like to do when I enter into these spaces is try to think about where the threshold is, you know, mm -hmm. what, what is golf course and what is not golf course. Mm -hmm. For me, it's kind of the, it's the road where you park and then walk over or, mm -hmm. you know, what is not coffee shop? What is coffee shop? And as you cross that threshold, as you cross over kind of into liminality, to just offer a simple prayer and say, Holy Spirit, alert me to the ways that you are working in this place that I might join you. You know, trusting that I'm not bringing Jesus with me. Jesus is already there. He cares about these people more than I do. He's at work in their world. And I just want to be able to see it so I can join it, mm. you know? And so I think that posture for me has relieved a lot of the stress that somehow mm. it's all yeah. on me you know, to start from scratch with somebody and make a disciple, to get them from negative 10 to positive 10 on the old evangelism spectrum, right? But to just say, how's God working? How could I join? And how could maybe my engagement with them be good news and help them kind of take one more mm -hmm. step closer to rethinking Jesus as mm -hmm. having value in their own life? All right, man, you teed up a home run for the first clip of this episode. What do you got for us next? So I love the conversation with Tanya Dalton, uh, episode 240. And we actually talk about JOMO. So I had not heard it until then. And now I seem to be hearing it everywhere. The joy of missing out. And I just love how this recages um, what we feel in all of us, right? It can't be all the places at all the times. And that is true. It can only be one place at one time. Uh, she also talks about busyness and has just some really good ways to describe this. Here's what I would say is activity does not equal productivity. Activity does not equal productivity. Everybody's doing a lot, but I can't see very many people actually doing things that deeply matter to them, are deeply meaningful, are intentional and calculated, and that's the life we want you to live. Um, Tanya Dalton says it so well, episode 240. What I find with no matter who I'm speaking to, no matter what walk of life they're in, there is this idea of chasing busy, that we got to do a thousand things. We're checking a million things off of our list, running around from here to there, falling into bed at night, and then thinking to ourselves, oh, why didn't I get more done? Oh, I'm the worst. I could have done more today, even though we were busy all day long. And I think it's because we're just checking off the, the things. We're just doing the motions and we're living a life on repeat instead of living to a bigger calling, living to a higher purpose. When we do that, 
we feel satisfaction, we feel successful, we feel accomplished. And I think when we do that, we end our day saying, wow, today was amazing. And I would say for most of your listeners, they when's the last time that you ended the day and said, I did incredible today. I'm amazing. It's probably been far too long. So before we talk about On Purpose, I've got to talk about your last book, The Joy of Missing Out, JOMO, as some might call it. Yes. Um, I love that message and I hate it. So how are you reframing busyness uh, as JOMO in this FOMO world? Well, I think the thing is, is we have an opportunity for happiness every single day. Happiness is hidden in the cracks and the crevices of our everyday life, but we're so busy that we miss it. We're missing it because we are chasing down a thousand different things. We're saying yes to anyone and everyone who comes knocking and asking for our time. And and because of that, we miss the opportunity to find joy, to find that quiet stillness within us that really our joy is hidden in. So it's choosing to miss out on the hustle choosing to miss out on on opportunities that come your way that aren't really meant for you, but we say yes to them anyways. Choosing to focus your life in a way that matters most to you. You know, when I talk about productivity, I like to say that I redefine productivity, that it's not about doing more, it's doing what's most important. When we do the work that is most important, when we fill our soul and we take care of, of the why behind what we do, there's so much joy in that. There's so much happiness in that. It's not in crossing a finish line or or accomplishing something big without meaning. It's about creating that meaning in your life on a regular everyday basis. All right, man. I got a golf ball. You have a one wood. What are you teeing up? A one wood? Man, I'm traditionally a two iron guy or a driver if we're going to go down that road. But one wood, 350 right. yard drive. All right. Excuse me while I change into Bubba Watson clothing. Um, Episode 230, (laughs) you talked with uh, Justin Kendrick and uh, the topic was around his book, The Ache to Be Great, you know, and then dealing with misplaced ambition. So right now, everyone's setting goals and we have things we want to do in 2022. We have things we want to reintegrate into our lives. And so this idea of pursuing habits and goals from a posture of grace. And when you got that clip, it was so formational and so grounding to me. And then how to avoid pursuing our goals and habits with misplaced ambition when it becomes about us and not from this posture of grace that we get to do some cool things. So guys, enjoy episode this clip from episode 230 with Justin Kendrick about pursuing habits and goals from a posture of grace and avoiding misplaced ambition. What kind of conversations do you hope are breaking out um, in houses, yeah. in condos, in coffee shops, in church staffs as they crack open this book. Yeah, I think the first thing that I hope breaks out is a reorientation around the gospel. And what I mean by that is that, you know, spiritual growth has to come from a place of deep acceptance in Jesus that I don't, you know, we've heard these phrases again and again, and and they need to be internalized. You know, I don't work for acceptance. I work from acceptance. The revelation of God's grace, the acceptance found in Jesus becomes the foundation of my identity that I'm a child of God. And now this is chapter two from the foundation of grace. I practice these habits, not as an attempt to earn my position before God, but as an outworking of my devotion to God. And so, um, you know, anytime you talk about habits, there's a danger of just losing the truth of the gospel and losing the truth of what Christ has done. And so I hope that that's the first conversation they have. Wait, how do I do habits 
by grace. You know, that's kind of the first conversation. And then the second conversation I want them to have is to go, oh, no, I don't want to do habit one, you know, and and start to wrestle with the uh, the disruption that it causes in your daily routines um, to start to really be intentional around growth. And, you know, I think I think the wrestling match is half the battle. You know what I mean? So if people are asking the questions, we're on the right path. All right, man. I'm excited to hear what this next clip is for you. So this is a uh, this is a good, nice, easy putt. You drove the ball very well. What do you got for us next? Occasionally on podcasts, I have these wow moments. And I had a few of them on this one. But especially with what he's talking about here, he talks about the Hippocratic Oath. And at least we need to do no harm as leaders. At least all these stories of harm and leadership hurt and church hurt coming from people. And, and that's a legitimate fear. Like, I, I don't want to add to people's pain. And Jonathan Wiggins, a, a pastor here in Colorado, really a shepherd to shepherds across the country, talks about how we need to at least do no harm, a painful story of him growing up. Listen to the full episode 215 for that. Um, so helpful. But he also talks about how he's a different leader on the other side of COVID. COVID awakened an empathy in uh, many of us, the pain that we went through, God is repurposing and can repurpose into other people's lives if we'll allow it to. Um, and so that's probably enough that I can say there. But please, if, especially if you are a pastor, please listen to this whole episode. I thought it was so profound. This is episode 215 with pastor, thought leader, and pastor to pastors, Jonathan Wiggins. I was just thinking about the, the Hippocratic Oath in medicine, which I know the, the meaning of it is yeah, not the same thing yeah. as quoting from it, but it's like, first do no harm mm, and it's wow. like <laughs> doctors they know they can't heal everybody but the idea of medicine the basic uh kind of underlying value is at least don't make them worse mm, wow and i think in ministry if we could if we could let the holy spirit do the work of making people better but at least let's not make people worse i think that's probably a good value oh that's that's so good that's so good. At least don't make people worse. <laughs> I, I love it. And hey, maybe that's the book right there. Maybe that's there it, it is. Right? The, the Hippocratic <laughs> Oath of Ministry. But for real, I mean, there's um, people who have said, especially from the counseling space, that they are under accountability. Groups of people, they'll get together with different counselors and they'll share their best practices. They'll share, you know, hard situations and opportunities. And they have very strict guidelines to move by. Well, many times as um, you know, ministers of the gospel, nonprofit leaders, even me as a coach, there's very few national standards that we need to abide by. And so we need to put ourselves underneath that authority. I was just thinking about Absolutely. that, that if that's not there, we sort of need to have our own Hippocratic oaths, our own boundaries, our own things that we've set up with our own elders, teams, executive pastors, churches, networks, you name it. Um, Man, so much that we could dig into here, Jonathan, but listeners don't miss that piece. What are the boundaries you're self-imposing um, on, on yourself? I don't know how you're different, but I know that you're different after COVID season. We can't go through that and lead through that, Jonathan, and not be different. So I'm just going to assume that you are a completely different leader in several areas of your life. How are you different after this COVID season than you were before? Yeah, I, that's a that's a question I have not been asked until this moment, and uh, so I I think a couple of things. I think I'm uh, less uh, I'm less strident when it comes to social media interactions. 
I'm a little kinder and actually, honestly, I'm a little less present on social media than I used to be. Uh, I realized how many people could get hurt just simply off of a misunderstanding and then it seemed irretrievable. Mm, So I think that that's one. I think uh, also just being uh, the kind of person that when people come back to just understand that as painful as this last year has been, I'm not the only one who experienced the pain. And I think it'd be interesting to, to know how many people are dealing with symptoms of PTSD, not just in ministry, but just in our world. Yeah, absolutely. And so to give people a place to heal, um, I am uh, way more prone to take the time I need off uh, so that I can rest, so that I can get away from the pressure. Um, and I'm, I'm way more um, in tune with, honestly, with the needs of my wife in this season. Uh, she and I have really worked uh, re- really hard for the ministry. We've sacrificed a lot. I think right now I'm I'm turning a little bit more of attention and focus to her emotional state, her needs. And instead of kind of calling on my family to just buck up and and keep moving forward for another year or another week or another six months, I think I'm saying, hey, what do we need? Let's go get it. Let's take time away. And I'm really just trying to make sure that my immediate relationships are nourished. And then the last thing I would say is my friendships uh, within my staff and also outside of my staff. Um, they're more vulnerable. They're more life-giving. Um, I can tell you one thing, Alan, you will never hear of some shocking revelation that the people in my life don't already know about me. Um, you know, mm, yeah. because it's like, they, there's nothing to, to be learned about me that my closest friends don't already know. And, uh, they pray with me and they, they encourage me. So those are some of the things that, that have been contributions to my life over this last period. Jonathan, this is a big moment. You are cashing in your last highlight clip of 2021. How are you going to use it? I am going to use it by encouraging everyone to go listen to episode 187 with Bailey Hurley. And it's a great conversation about cultivating community. I think in many spaces, we have sort of a watered down view and a misplaced view of community that's been shifted and shaped with everything that's gone on in the last few years in our country. Um, And the importance of cultivating healthy communities and embracing culture. So I love this episode. So guys, do me a favor. I highly encourage you to listen to episode 187 with Bailey Hurley talking cultivating healthy communities and culture. So could you give two or three keys um, that people are going to need, that leaders are going to need in order to build life-giving culture around them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think the first is creating a culture that celebrates. Um, I kind of take it back to my context of my husband and I, we We've led a small group of men and women for five years now and started with, you know, five people and we've had people come and go, but we have a group of about 20 people. And when my husband and I set out to create, I think this long-term community, we kind of said, we want a culture that celebrates and has traditions. And I know what you're thinking. If you're like, man, I'm in an office, like this doesn't make any sense. Like there, it does. Like if you think about your office company playing March Madness together every year and yes. you always go out to dinner for the championship game, that's what I'm talking about. Like a culture that has the traditions and has lots of opportunities to celebrate. And so this is just a silly idea and people can take it as they want. But one thing my husband and I did is we have cake day, not in the last year, but we have cake day. 
And what it was is at the beginning of the month, so the first of every single month, we'd invite people over for cake day and we'd bake a cake and we'd go around and we'd sing a cake day song. And then the best part was that there were no plates, just forks. So everyone had a fork and you would just dig in until the cake was gone. And this was an opportunity for, I think, that continued connection. It was outside of our formal meeting time. It was fun. It was, there were not a lot of like expectations or guidelines around it. Meaning, you know, hey, we're having cake day at seven o'clock, like come on over, but maybe you stay for an hour, maybe you stay for 20 minutes. Um, And that was so vital for our group in the first like couple of years that we were meeting. People really looked forward to cake day. They were excited when a new person came to the group and they were excited to show them cake day. Um, something people could count on and look forward to. And so I often encourage people like, what is your tradition? Like, or what is your thing that you're going to celebrate that gets your people excited? Um, I think the sillier, like the better, um, even as adults, like we need, we need the fun we need yeah. the silly. Like, it's okay yeah. to be goofy. And we sing this song that we literally make everybody sing. And it's like a chant basically for cake day, but like, it just makes you uncomfortable. I always say how, how better to uh, break the ice than make people sing in front of each other. Um, (laughs) And so, yes, I say like what, yes, more celebration, whether it's a monthly thing, whether it's, you know, revolves around the the calendar of events. So, you know, Christmas parties and maybe a a Thanksgiving lunch for your, for your people, or um, even yes, we love basketball at our home. So yes, even a, a basketball thing where you, you know, you promise to take everyone out to the same restaurant every single year at the championship game night. Like it's just so much fun. Um, so I do think that's one really vital way to create a life-giving culture is creating life. If you just keep things to kind of that formality, like when do you get to really know each other? When do you get to laugh together? When do you get to just have fun? Um, it's really important. That's good. And the second thing I would say, again, it kind of relates, but having a family mentality. Again, one thing my husband and I constantly prayed over for our group because these are not people, we did not choose these people. You do not choose your coworkers. You do not choose your team. Sometimes you do, not all the time. And so when there's that, just that difficult person to love, we were praying for affection, which in C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves, he describes affection as a love that is a mutual respect for someone. So this doesn't mean it's a feeling, it's a choice. And so we say we choose, we want to see people choosing to see something great in each person in this room and having that sort of um, mindset create a mutual like love and respect for each person. So I will say after having led a group for five years, we probably have had like 45 people come and go. Like, I don't think there's ever been a time when someone didn't like someone. And I know that sounds like we're I'm making it idealistic, but I think it was an, an answer to prayer. And I think it was Tim and I's perspective of saying like this person, you know, we're in our thirties and that's a 24 year old guy who loves drumming drums and like we don't have a lot in common but like wow like I love when he shares like he has so much depth and he brings like he brings in worship lyrics that speak to him and applies it to the conversation and the passes passage of scripture and like it makes it so rich for our conversations and so I think finding things about each person on your team that you're like okay 
even if this is the most difficult person for me, like I can see this about them and respect it. Like, I think you're going to create that family attitude. Like you're, you can't get rid of each other. You're, you're stuck with each other and like, you're going to make the best of it. And being able to create a culture of affection saying we are going to respect each person here. Um, that is again, like it'll breathe life into your community. And I also believe it will breathe longevity into your team. All right, man, it's time to close us out. I have to say these have been pretty cool clips and I can't wait to go listen to them myself. So what do you have with us? How are you going to send us off with the last clip from 2021's highlight reel? All right. This one was just a blast. So Ryan Huber is an ethicist and um, I assumed that he had been watching Ted Lasso uh, like many of us. So the master class that is Ted Lasso on life Oy. and leadership and Oy, uh, Roy Kent. I would love to get Roy Kent here on the podcast. But second best, I literally ad hoc asked Ryan Huber out of nowhere on the ethics of Ted Lasso. And I'm telling you, he brought fire. It was so good. Uh, unrehearsed. He's like, ah, I'm just going from the hip here. And he kind of breaks that down, which I absolutely loved. It was fun. It was profound. Um, and I love this conversation. I mean, the the texture, the context of the kind of guests that we get on here may be somebody that is, you know, leading a massive company, but I don't know that I've ever had a conversation, especially on the air with an ethicist before. And I think we desperately need to think through why we do things. Power dynamics today is one thing that we talked about here that continues to come up. How are we using, utilizing, and um, sometimes accidentally abusing power, even within our families? He talks about that as the dad. So such a good episode. But guys, this is just good stuff. Ted Lasso, the ethics of the man, the myth, the legend. Ted Lasso, episode 228 with Ryan Huber. So talk to me about power dynamics of Ted and the ethics of Ted. That's a good question. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't done a full breakdown in my brain, but I'll just give you my kind of just, off just the top. Just here. Just pull out. The yeah, screen. I think. Let's go. I think. I think Ted values relationships about about, about everything else, and I think Ted um, shows that um, it can't be completely egalitarian. You can't just like let the players run around the field and do whatever they want. There has to be structure. There has to be discipline. But what does Ted do? Ted listens, right? He actually listens to his players. He actually treats them like people and other people within the organization. He tries to lead with encouragement. He is honest. He, he, um, you know, dad jokes aside, he does kind of tell people the truth and he's not, he's not afraid to lead with authenticity, but I think he has varying levels of authenticity for varying levels of intimacy. And what I mean by that, and this is something I've had to learn is, is um, I have to fight hard to be, um, to be vulnerable uh, because that's not my nature. But at times I've been vulnerable with kind of too broad an audience in a way that that isn't healthy for me. I should have an inner circle of people, an intimate circle. I should have expanding kind of concentric circles where I'm being more and more vulnerable to those people. I don't think any president should be exactly the same when they stand up in front of a microphone as they are in being intimate and being vulnerable in the right ways at the right levels uh, with the right people. That That's one thing that I really enjoy about Ted Lasso. Um, I don't think he's a liar. I think he leads with the truth, but I think he tries to say it in a way that's going to be received. He, he doesn't, he's not always like tricking people into doing something. He's pretty straightforward and he would rather be persistent and present and consistent in somebody's life in order to win them over than try to pull, you know, like a straight up power, power move. Now, when he has to, he will. 
Um, but uh, another thing I like about Ted is that he'll go to a third person to help facilitate growth in the second person. So in a recent episode, the new captain of the soccer team, I believe his name is Isaac. He's struggling. He's off his game. Ted Lasso, um, you know, enlists the aid of the of the former captain, my favorite Oi. character Oi. In, in the show. Yeah, he's Just so a crotchety young man. Yeah, he's here, he's there, he's everywhere. Um, <laughs> Roy Kent. And so he goes to Roy Kent. He says, I need your help with this because he realizes he's not enough on his own to do the job that needs to be done with his current captain. He needs to go to Roy Kent and he needs Roy's help in order to facilitate this growth. Uh, I think there's a lot of good lessons in Ted. Friends, we are at the end of a great year. And I would assume for many of you, 2021 was was better than 2020, but I know... It was sprinkled with good stuff, hard stuff. Uh, Jonathan, man, want to publicly say thank you for all your edits this year. The man behind the podcast, Oz, as it were. So, man, thanks for uh, all your work on the podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for curating the conversations. It's a really a joy for me to get to edit them and listen to them. and Because, I mean, I get to hear them more than once. So, uh, it's a blast. Thank you for all you do, um, bringing these awesome people into these spaces to have these highly impactful conversations. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me along for the ride, man. I, I love these conversations. Um, we want to steward all that God has given us at stay forth and something God has given us is connection to some amazing leaders. Uh, this episode alone, the last episode alone um, could really change and shift your leadership. If you take your next right step, we don't just want you to be passive listeners we're always going to challenge you to take your next right step. If there's something that you heard here, and maybe the next step is discussion on somebody about power dynamics or about what it looks like to love your neighbors, about how you can disciple differently and better through your organization or your company. But we just want to challenge you to not just take this in as you're doing dishes, going for a run, walking your dog, working out, take your next right step. Friends, we are here with you on your leadership climb. We are mountain guides for the leadership journey. We're not saying that it's easy. We're just saying we want to be here. We want to hear from you. If there is something you have learned from the podcast this year, a highlight that you have, please shoot us an email. Hello at stayforth.com. There's somebody you want to hear from, a topic you want to hear about this next year. We are planning for 2022. We cannot wait. We've got some great next episodes teed up, but for now, the highlights of 2021 were amazing. We can't wait to dive into more conversations. We will see you next year. Friends, take a rest, put some sweatpants on, eat well, close the laptop, and taste and see that the Lord is good. You're God's kid before you're doing his work. And we want you to rest over this break and remember all that God has done. God's been good to us as a team. God's been good to you as your, your family, your leadership, all the things that you are doing. Let's take some time to recognize that over the holidays.